0: Welcome to Living Southern Oregon, a podcast dedicated to discovering and exploring all Southern Oregon has to offer. I'm your host, Simona Fino, and I will be introducing you to the people who live here, the things they love, and what makes Southern Oregon a magical place to call home. me here on Living Southern Oregon, Joe and Rosie from Rise Up Bakery. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, I'm going to talk like this the whole time. <laughs> you can if you want. That might be a lot of work. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <Probably will. laughs> well, for my listeners out there, I, I wanted to say that this is kind of a special interview in that The two of you were the first people that I met here in Southern Oregon back when our community and our group of friends was looking for a place to call home and we decided Applegate in Southern Oregon was kind of it. We did a quick little search on intentional community Southern Oregon and poof like Google does. (laughs) Brought you guys up (laughs) and I reached out and you wrote me back and kind of the rest is history on that. So have
1: you done your history on this podcast yet?
0: Uh, a little bit. Yeah. yeah Cause little. we interviewed Juno and uh-huh. she was part of, yeah, I was mm-hmm. part of that community and living there. So yeah, mm-hmm. listeners have definitely gotten a taste of that. Cool. Um, and I, as I joke, I'm, I've been a little Applegate heavy in my podcast <laughs> interviews, <laughs> <laughs> which will continue to expand beyond Applegate mm-hmm. and have already, but mm-hmm. I love Applegate. It's where I first landed. That's where I first met you and, and then my landmates at the time, well, before we were even landmates, went and lived with you, and so really been connected to your space and got to know Rise Up Bakery really early on, which is fantastic, except now that you spoiled me, because I, yeah. I don't eat other bread, and you'll find out why. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's a little bit of that history, so um, welcome. I'm Thanks. super excited to, to be interviewing and connecting with you. Yeah.
1: Super cool that you're doing this. It's great to be invited.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like to start off every, every episode here by finding out what brought you to Southern Oregon. So tell me a little bit of that story and how you landed where you have.
2: Yeah. Well, I'll take that one. Um, so when, Let's see, it would have been 2003 or something, Joe and I, well 2002, Joe and I met on a, a farm and Zen center in Marin, Um Green Really,
1: it was March of 2001 when we met. Oh,
2: when we met, then. okay. So, we started dating in 2002, okay, all right, well, <laughs> the timeline, yeah.
1: It's a long time it's ago. important,
2: <laughs> but, yeah, long time ago. Um, but we farmed there together with, um, a few other people who we really connected with. And our friend Ryan said, Hey, uh, after a couple years, after we had gotten married actually at Green Gulch, at Green Gulch, we went on honeymoon and during our honeymoon in New Zealand, Ryan emails us and says, Hey, I want to start a community together. Like I got some money to buy some land from my dad who just died and, want to do this thing, and we were like, hell yeah, it didn't take us but two minutes to write back and just be like, let's do this, because um, Ryan's so awesome, and and we thought we'd, I don't know, maybe stay at Zen Center a while, and but but the opportunity to, like, start something new and just, like, farm together or do whatever together with Ryan somewhere new was just awesome. So
1: it was also a lifetime, like dream of yours to start and you know, start a community, an intentional community, right?
2: Um, I don't know about lifetime dream, but for yeah, I think that in the back of my mind, that was kind of like the way I wanted to live. I knew for a while I was a community studies major at UC mm. Santa Cruz, and okay, I also like grew up in community and kicked on a commune in the Napa Valley with a bunch of hippies. That was a very unintentional community. (laughs) (laughs) We learned learned from their mistakes, right? All the people who did it before us who didn't do it very well. Um, And we learned from the people who did it well as well. Um, But anyway, so we hopped on board with that endeavor. I got pregnant in the same month that we got that email, <laughs> and uh, yes. then we emailed back, are you sure you want to do this, Right, <laughs> We're pregnant. <laughs> we're their first child. Yeah, Ocean. So, but he said, yeah, let's go for it. And so initially there were six of us um, together looking for land, and we Okay, well, this is going to turn into a long story. <laughs> I don't know how much of it you want to start to talk about Well, too. How, did, how,
0: did and you how did you decide this area yeah. as
2: opposed to anywhere in the country totally. that you Well, part of it was Ryan's family lived in Seattle, and our family are in the Bay Area. And so we're like, okay, Southern Oregon's kind of right in the middle. Um,
1: California was super cost prohibitive. It just felt like yes. out of our price range
2: out of our price range not enough water to farm we really were all farmers at the time and thinking we want to grow our own food we want to like our vision was very much agrocentric and then um the other motivating forces were well ryan knew somebody up here um chris shockey mm-hmm. who um they'd done a permaculture course together and he was like Chris was like, "Yeah, this is an awesome area." Also, our friend Tim Reem, who was at Zen Center with us, I was um, I was on a
1: two and a half month Zen retreat, basically at Tassajara fantastic. with him. At, you know, a part of a group of like sixty people. But I mean, we'd known Tim for a long time, and he'd been in this community and active and involved. And then he would come down to the Zen Center, so he was like cross pollinating. Uh-huh. And when we told him that our intention was to like start an intentional community and we were looking for land, he said, "Oh my God, I have a realtor for you. You <laughs> gotta meet Jeannie Shatler,
0: and she is why I'm an agent." Yeah. <laughs> Because she was our agent. Yeah. Yeah. She's,
1: she's fabulous. Great. She's amazing. Shout out to Jeannie. Yeah, and she's been back to landing it up above where we ended up buying property on Yale Creek Road through the 80s and 90s, and then moved down into closer to town after that. But she knows the area like so well from decades of living here and loving it herself, and she felt like our people. And then Tim, you know, made it so that. We were included in this extended family of friends.
2: Yeah, he wrote, he made us write down Maude and Tom's name and phone number, <laughs> and Mookie's name and phone number, and Laurel and Dwayne's name.
1: Spriggs, and uh Spriggs, Wilding Communities contact info
2: but I had also met Sprig at Zen Center too so she was a Zen Center connection before there's a lot of overlap yeah Yeah.
0: we were sort of meant
2: to land here it sounds like yeah (laughs) it definitely
1: felt like we were called in and there was such a kindred we were 32 I was 32 she was 28 30, right around there. And we just felt like very kindred spirits to the other people we were meeting, Tom and Maude and Mookie and Sprig and Autumn and many other you know, people that we connected with that were either back to the land farming um, in kind of radical anarchist ways or transitional like post-capitalist ways or um, outside the boundaries of... You know, conventional farming in in terms of more um, organic, definitely organic, but even beyond that, into the realms of permaculture and and other modes too. And then, uh, yeah, and then those communities were oh yeah also ec- ecologically in tune with activism and protecting and defending forests and. And there was just, and then, and then also in terms of the community and the extended community, they're, they're really into the same, similar music, with some kind of like tradition of folk, punk rock, um, rock and roll, hip hop, like a mix of like urban and, Mm -hmm. uh, meets rural. Mm -hmm. And that, that was, I think also something that we were bringing to. And so, anyway, from the get-go, there's just a lot of affinity, and it was very exciting to join. It felt like joining forces with a eclectic, m- motley crew of uh, visionary and fun people. Yeah? Yeah.
0: And then, how did you find your land? That was Jeannie that helped, then, find that property,
1: Yeah, I which was, is
0: where the bakery is.
1: Yeah, we live and work on um, the property and we were, Ryan and Eden and I had come up and were on a land search and it was my first time in the, in Oregon, my first, well, on like with this group of people and we were shown two pieces of land by Jeannie
2: Before that, I had come up with them too, but we went went separate trips. And I was super pregnant when he came up with them. Maybe didn't want to come back. But yeah.
1: So on this trip, we stayed at Spirit Gardens on Yale Creek with Tim, and then there was a party, and you know I was like, oh yeah, these are our people. (laughs) (laughs) And then we were shown the property the next day, and we toured the land, it's 280 acres, we didn't see all 280 acres, but there's a lot of forests, there's a lot of diverse like micro um, ecologies and uh, different habitats in there. And there's, you know, creeks, that was really important that there was water um, running through the property. And it was beautiful and it was diverse and, it just seemed it seemed perfect. I fell in love with it right away. I think Ryan and Eden really fell in love with it. It was somewhat reasonably priced and had the beginnings of an infrastructure. It had an old farmhouse from the 1930s and um, a barn and a tractor. So it kind of came with the bare necessities and it was just a great launching pad. But. Epic in beauty, just in the foothills of Dutchman Peak, and yeah, really epic.
0: It is beautiful. It is very beautiful. Tell me how the the bakery came to be, and that as a line of work, and something that you decided to get into, because that doesn't just pop up overnight.
2: Well, we knew we couldn't all exist on poor farmer's wages. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Six farmers coming from, you know, the Bay Area, and Matt and Aria were another couple, so it was Ryan, Eden, Joe, and I, and Matt and Aria, who all bought the land together Matt and Aria were a little more experienced farming just by a few more years and they kind of wanted to like take charge on the farm and, and Joe and I thought well let's do some, some something value added and so we brainstormed for a while and one idea was chickens but we had come from like the you know the vegan <laughs> farm life. <laughs> Buddhists, like, kill kill nothing, not even, you know, bugs that even it, But so we were, I was a little like, I don't know that I can kill all these chickens, you know, meat chickens. Um, so anyways, we went through a bunch of ideas, and Joe said, what about baking bread? And I had been the baker at Green Gulch just for, you know, 90 loaves a week for, like, six months or so. I barely, barely survived, <laughs> or barely... Learned how to bake. I knew how to bake plenty of yeasted breads, but I totally killed our sourdough starter within like the first couple weeks of being alone. But <laughs> I had only been trained for two weeks from the previous baker. And so I was like, I was not very, yeah, prepared. But anyways, so I said to Joe, well, we're not going to start a bakery based on my baking experience because I don't have really like production, you know, artisan baking experience. So then... We started looking for, like, some kind of bakery that he could work at to get experience. and
1: But uh, we had just had Ocean. We had just found the property and bought it a few months earlier. So we bought it in July. And then in August, we were having this conversation. And we were going up to the land to have an organizing meeting and talk about various values and principles and, you know, how to launch this intentional community that didn't have a name yet. And on our way up to the property, we stopped in Weed, California. And Weed had... We just, like, meandered off. We wanted a coffee. I just wanted a Like, yeah. everybody loves <laughs> to stop and get coffee. I wanted a coffee. And we found this little hole in the wall. I mean, just... Literally, I don't know. It was, it was so small. <laughs> this, this is micro bakery. Mom and Pop Bakery in Weed. And they were open... Which is great, and then because you never know when a little micro bakery is going to be open or not. Yeah. But we went in, and I don't even remember getting anything except for this like information based on their ovens. Their ovens were these two. It was a two door system, and it was they were brick ovens. And through each oven door, it was a huge internal brick oven that would be originally That's in, yeah, 12 by 12, wood fired. And they were built, and so the baker tells us a story in the 1930s. There were these two brothers from Oregon that went all up and down. Oh, no, 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 sorry. There were these two brothers from Oakland, California, who went up and down the state building these ovens for bakers. and in, in, in the... I thought
2: they were maybe Italian guys, too.
1: Yeah, maybe they That's were Italian. How they learned
2: how to do the ovens. Anyways. I don't remember.
1: I think you might be right. And then we're like, oh, up and down California. Where are the other ones? San Juan Batista is one. Oh, San Juan Batista. That's the first place I ever ate bread. Like, that was homemade and, yeah, real bread. You know, like, it was made by monks, and they were still doing it. When I was in third grade on a field trip, I was like... That's really what I fell in love with bread. That kind of gave me in this little part of me, like a little seed that's germinating now, you know, in this search. And then they are like, yeah, and all the way down to Southern California. And then there's one in St. Helena. St. Helena? Well, that's like 20 minutes away from Calistoga where we were staying with her mom and dad. And... Right next to where we we have to go look. And so after our trip and our meeting up on the farm, we go back home to Calistoga. I go down the road, 20 minutes, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're hiring. We need to hire somebody to work these ovens, you know, these epic 1930s, (laughs) like— no like, longer wood-fired. Now they're fo- fired by these giant propane flamethrowers <laughs> that you spark light and just <laughs> blast the ovens full of this like propane flames fear. for about 15 or 20 minutes uh, uh, each, uh, each firing. And, and They basically
2: said, yeah, we need to train somebody ASAP and let, teach them everything our head baker knows so that he can go have a baby because his wife is about to have a baby pop, and Ugh. so Joe needed to learn everything in like what a month or two. Right, That's but intense. I had originally, I had originally Intensibly thought paid internship. <laughs> I had
1: originally thought I was going to learn everything in a month and then go up to the farm because this is now August. So we're thinking September. I would do the baking. I would learn everything I needed, and then we would go up to the farm in October. Well, I remember you pretty quickly saying the they want month. me to stay longer than
2: a month, of course, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, of course. I
1: staged one night and I was (laughs) like, there's no way I can learn all this in 30 days. Like (laughs) I am clear that I have to commit to a longer time. So we postponed our move to Oregon a whole year so that I could learn how to bake bread from this French artisan baker, Rob, Rob Alexander. He's baking in Atlanta, I think now, and he's doing amazing things like on a very large production scale, I think.
2: And he'd been training in France for 10 years. He trained
1: in France. 10 years. He trained on the, in in the Midwest at a baking school, a culinary school as well. I mean, he knew, he knows his stuff. Um, so I was, and, and he, he, you know, through a little weird fortune, he just happened to be there. He wasn't supposed to be there. He was supposed to be at another bakery. That didn't work out. French Laundry. Yeah, it didn't uh, work out. Wow.
2: So he ended he, up I, at the yeah.
1: mall. <laughs>
2: the French laundry guy, I guess, went head-to-head and, like, did not like each other so he got fired or quit right away. Um, He ends
1: up at the model and needs somebody to work and learn everything right away and it was just like, boom, boom, boom. Like, from the second we decided to to start a bakery, it was just like, everything lined up.
0: Like, all the doors open. I love it. It (laughs) I don't think I've heard that full story. I've heard bits and pieces. Yeah. I knew you were training and the Napa area. Yep. And so,
2: all right.
1: Yeah, that's pretty wonder. exciting. Bread
0: so good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, John, what, what we learned later too is what there are bakeries and there are bakeries. And if you, I mean, we almost sent him to work at a. I won't even mention the name, but at a bakery in the area in Sebastopol area that later just kind of sucked like they don't even take temperatures of their water before they put it in the dough you know that kind of thing where it's like like all the bad habits so lucky that he landed where he did and like we learned how to bake amazing bread it,
1: there's a lot of dumb but, luck involved
2: yeah for sure because
1: we were not as educated as we really should have been but we got lucky right
0: yeah or just yeah. the stars aligned
1: stars align for know, sure
0: I, what I call it um it's not luck you're just putting yourself in the way of opportunity yeah you know it's like as you see the stove you ask about it you're questioning you're putting yourself out there that's yeah. it, that's a good piece of it too so i like to keep that in mind when out and about
1: yeah the like, uh, more you yeah. talk
0: about something or you know it's more likely it's going to come to you Decided to start the bakery here. Obviously, there wasn't a a bakery on site at your property, so that was something that had to be built. And you have ovens now that are really beautiful. One oven, yeah. Oven and from Italy, right?
1: Or is that where, Spain? Where is it? Spain, okay. Barcelona. It's called the Lloipita. L L O. Yeah, L L O I P S.
2: S-I-S, yeah. no. Yeah,
1: L P L O P I S
2: Hard to pronounce. Sadly, that company went out of business, but yeah, it's like the Cadillac of ovens. Uh, and we learned that from the San Francisco Baking Institute guy, Michel. He's a sweet French man who learned, well, anyways, he was a baker in France, broke his back baking, came to the States. To teach in San Francisco in the 70s or something and said, you need this oven, the Yopi, oh, okay. because you will not break your back doing the peel loading. you oh, load with the, you know, wood, yeah. flat wood boards, which is called a peel. And this oven turns from uh, the center. It's like a lazy Susan. So you load just to the center and then you get to turn the oven to load the rest. And that That is great because the first oven like Joe learned on, 12 feet of brick solid, you load everything to the back. All oh. the way, twelve feet away. That's like tons of torque on your body, and then you're loading it closer to you. And then the first bread that's done is in the back. You gotta like go over the top of the rest of the bread to get it out. Oh,
1: well, goodness. you actually scoot all the bread in front around, See and you're just Lady
2: Susan it's for the win. Yeah, <laughs> but it took like six months for me to agree to this because oh, a brick oven is like fifteen to twenty thousand dollars locally built. Uh, the Yopi was $75,000, which actually ended up being more like eighty five because of... But anyways. how much is your back? Yes, exactly. That it is. saves <laughs> back, it saves time, it's yeah. an amazing oven. We paid it off in five years, and it was like, in five years, and it was like, such a good good idea. A great investment. I'm so glad that I finally gave in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Equipment, it's everything, yeah.
1: And... So we were building, but we were building the common building for uh, Full Bloom, and the oven was built in the center of that commercial kitchen, At simultaneously, the, like the poles were up, the, the roof wasn't finished, and, and both are, like the common building is a very central element to Full Bloom, and... The oven is the central piece to Rise Up Artisan Bread, the bakery. So, yeah, those were both happening in 2008, being built in 2008, finished in 2009. So, about three years, two and a half years after we moved onto the property there.
0: And then, so the business has been really going since
2: 2009, 10, somewhere 2009. around here, 2009. 2009 is when we officially were baking for stores and stuff. Before that, we were just baking for neighbors and testing recipes in our tiny little cob oven that, that Conrad Rogman's helped us build, which was a cool...
1: Another example of a super awesome neighbor extended family member who took us under his wing and like offered all sorts of like sweet kindnesses and building a cob, a little cob oven out in front of the farmhouse was one of those. And uh, it just was the perfect vehicle for learning actually for me learning how to fire an oven uh even though it's different it's a it's a black oven meaning the fire is inside the hearth on top of the hearth and then you have all the ashes you have to rake out of there and you can't you know as opposed to what we do in the bakery with uh our yopi oven is a white oven so we have that fire box underneath and you could just keep it going Mm. the entire time you're baking you have the fire going and so you have a much more a, a much larger window of heat opportunity for baking you can extend it for long long periods of time so it's a way more versatile oven and so that's the other thing that we got besides the ergonomics of the lazy susan we've got this firebox underneath that allows us to bake for long periods of time, which makes way more sense for a production operation. But the cob oven that was built um, by Conrad with our help um, allowed us to test recipes, you know, and then we would take our little test breads and (laughs) deliver them to the mailboxes of our neighbors on Little Applegate and (laughs) Yellow Creek Road. uh, Mostly they were lucky, you know, and they had to suffer through a a failure here and there, but... uh, but yeah, it was <laughs> such a great idyllic way to start, you know. Uh, oh, mixing everything by, mixing everything by hand. Mixing
2: everything by hand. Oh my god, I would help sometimes, but my arms would just get tired. I mean, because you have to actually knead the dough. We didn't have a mixer. Well, we know we bought our mixer, but we couldn't plug it in because it was three phase. So <laughs> we had this mixer on the porch we couldn't use. So he mixed everything by hand, sixty loaves a week or so. But put them in the cob oven it was only fitting 16 now our oven now fits like 150 loaves wow. at a time but yeah it's it was fun but also like we definitely whew, we're grateful to have the bakery when it was ready
1: oh yeah as Thanks. soon as it was ready <laughs> like we were in there i was in there like moving in and, and trying to get going, getting it going
2: yeah and what's your production now 3,600 to f- tops 4,000 loaves a week. Wow. At the biggest, yeah, weeks of the year, it can get that much. Yeah. yeah. And so we're just baking three and a half, a little half baked day a week. So three and a half days a week. And then we're delivering four days a week and yes. markets three days a week. So yeah, it's a constant. You're the longest so line I'm at the at the farmers market in Grants Pass, <laughs> I
0: know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there Every Friends. Saturday, the friend line. I <laughs> yeah. yeah. love that Grants Pass yeah. farmers if market. If you don't get there yeah. early, yeah. if you get there at
1: Yeah. (laughs) Talk about things we love. I know we'll get to it later, but like the Grants Pass Farmers Market, the Hawthorne Park, Medford Thursday Farmers Market. There's a Rouge Farmers Market. We're not there, but I've just been there a couple of few times. It's so sweet and so great for that small community to have one. The Ashland Tuesday Farmers Market. Um, You know, farmers markets, they're just... So important and central to food security and local Mm -hmm. food security and farmers and local businesses having an opportunity either as they're starting or sustaining themselves Mm -hmm. to um, survive and then hopefully thrive and um it's just great venues yeah great venues to actually meet your farmer, your baker, your you know whoever your artisan is and know what the products and where they came from and how they're made and yeah have a real connection with all of those factors but uh, i can't say enough for the farmers markets i i just always wish that more people were going there and finding a way to get their food from those places
0: yeah, I agree. I I uh, actually, living in Applegate, didn't get out to the farmer's markets very often because they felt far away and it just wasn't in my routine. Now that I'm in Grants Pass, it is rare that I miss a Saturday farmer's market. Nice. I always go Yes. Yeah. I'm out of town or so really cool. can't. And I love it. And I'll even dash in there before you. It's like, oh, I got a 1030 showing. Oh, I got to <laughs> get there right <sighs> at nine in order to get to my next thing. I do not miss it because it is... I love getting my vegetables and fruit and every everything, bright bread. Yeah. I get my bread there.
1: <laughs> yeah, and a lot of the markets now have winter markets, too, so mm-hmm. there's a year-round option, which is somewhat new. I mean, it's only in the last six years, I think, that they've really got generated, started that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I go to the year-round when mm-hmm. the grounds pass. I love it yeah well let's stay on that topic because I do love hearing where where you love hanging out and what what you think I you know one of the questions I've asked is what small business or what business do you think more people should know about that maybe mm. people don't know about so I don't know if that there's anything that comes to mind offhand
1: uh, well we I, I'm really partial to nymph and woodsmen they're a medicinal mom and pop mm-hmm. and they they are um, land uh, mates with us at at full bloom. So they operate from there and they generate salves and tinctures and all herbally derived and often from perennials or wild crafted. And yeah, they're just beautiful products that are very intentionally made and with love and care and I think
0: I, I've seen them at one of the markets Yeah, they're definitely
1: at a number of markets I know they're in the Jacksonville market They're in the Rouge market And I'm not sure What other ones, but I think
2: Murphy market on Fridays Is that the yeah.
1: one? But they are online <laughs> Nymph and Woodsman LLC And I'm on Instagram nice. Yeah, they do great yeah. Instagram stuff
2: Yeah Nice
0: and
1: as what about you? As, uh, did yeah, you
2: have yeah, one? Yeah, do you have any? Oh, well, I mean, I was just going to give a shout out to all the all the friends of ours who own great, you know, local food-oriented businesses like By George and Wild Wines and...
1: Jefferson Farm Kitchen. Jefferson,
2: yes. Mm-hmm. Barky Moon and... Um, yeah. I don't know. There's plenty of others there's
0: lots of good ones yeah we're super fortunate to have so much good food and products from that good food (laughs) yeah being grown it's i think that's one of the huge bonuses and i i love to just when you're driving around and there's a sign it's eggs or somebody's just got to stand out (laughs) it's melons or whatever you know it's pull over and it's awesome it's, we're very fortunate to have that. And as far as um, places that you like to hang out, like, are there any things that you recommend? Like when you have out-of-town guests,
2: where do you take them? Mm. I love the various swimming holes on the river that feel like, oh, that one that, you know, you just find some day randomly on your own or that somebody showed you once or the word of mouth kind of little swimming holes that you can find. I love Cantrell Buckley Park, too. Like, we play volleyball there a lot in the summer with friends. And, of course, you come sometimes. And and then there's also, you know, beautiful river setting. and, And they've really worked on bringing that park you know a lot more resources and it is
1: beautiful it's right
0: on the Applegate River Cantrell Buckley Park
1: yeah it's super fun and I like the fact that there's a lot of Latino families that enjoy it as well so you feel like this kind of mix of culture during the summer it gets really busy it's you know there's it's just getting a lot of great use and a lot of people having a lot of fun at Cantrell Buckley, uh, I love going up on Dutchman. When we do, uh, it's a great place to take somebody and wander around and you know look, get the bird's eye view of mm-hmm. the area and the mountains and. You know, the PCT runs right along there, and so you could actually hike, I've, I have not done this, but you could <laughs> if you <laughs> wanted to, <laughs> hike, you know, all along the PCT starting there or just over to Mount Ashland or, you know, any little bit, but it's a uh, great, great, you know, the, during, you, the, that during the spring, yeah, that's why I was going to say, during the spring, the flowers are just amazing.
0: Yeah. Is that Cook and Green Pass where you're talking about up there? That's a little
1: further. Further. Okay, I'm just thinking where the
0: PCT,
2: the one spot that I've been where the PCT intersects there. I mean, it could be close to there. We just end up going up 20 to to Dutchman's Peak, and there's the fire lookout, and maybe we go a little further, and there's like a cool spring we've picnicked at and stuff. Squaw Lake is another one we love, Mm. non-motorized boats, and you got to kind of hike in, but it's so epically clear and beautiful and pristine and quiet.
0: It's (laughs) nice having the non-motorized boats, and you can't hear cars down there because they have you park far
2: away, but it's not even that
0: far away. It's not that long
2: of a walk, but yeah. yeah. Oh, and we try to call it Squawk Lake, too, because with K on the end. yeah. Yeah. But I hear that it might be getting renamed soon, so that'll be good. Yeah. Nice. Then there's also just uh, the East Art Ridge Trail and Sterling Mine Ditch Trail that we'll jaunt over to, um, you know, Bear Gulch is a nice little hike we like to do.
1: Yeah, hikes on the Sterling Ditch Trail. Was it the Arthur Deming Hike Trail?
2: Uh-huh, Deming
0: Gulch.
1: Deming Gulch, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there's no shortage of hiking in this area.
1: Right. Sure. I mean, yeah, we don't tend to do the high advent like high risk adrenaline like adrenaline sports like you know, <laughs> you know paragliding. We don't do that, but people just like to love Oh, I do watch that. them. Yeah, they're beautiful. They're they're Yeah.
0: doing their competition this week. Yeah. So, they're out there. I'll be over at Longsword Vineyard on Saturday for their paragliding viewing wow. party. Yeah. And I think Saturday and probably Sunday, too. Hopefully, weather permitting. Hopefully, we get some... Yeah. Sunshine
1: right. Sunshine. And,
0: yeah, because they can't...
1: Longsword there's another great local, smaller mm. business. I mean, not that yeah. small. Longsword's pretty established. I mean, they've been around mm. longer than we have uh, for a long time. So. But it's Established, Nate. but still small. <laughs> yeah. Kate and Nate moved to the area recently, and... They started uh, Wanderlust Theater, and so when they have a production, that's something that you don't want to miss.
2: That's true. Mm.
0: Yeah, it is a special ambulatory theater where you're following yeah. the actors around the property. It's really special. And there's just, th- I mean, we're, again, theater.
1: I mean, yeah. So much
0: awesome theater. So I also know you're part of the Little Applegate Theater, so tell me a little bit about that because I know that you have done that pretty much every time that there's been a performance, I think, right? Yeah,
1: since yeah, our friend Maud um, basically uh, grew up in a family that produced little video theatrical performances and productions together as part of their family reunions, and then It became this dream of hers to be able to do it in the community she lives in. And then she did a great job of inspiring her friends and associates to join her in her vision and mission of producing small, um, performances of community, uh, small community theater performances. And so for the past, like six years, minus one during the pandemic's first year in 2020, we have been doing these productions of ensemble casts that she was my, I think, I think was very creative and, in in making it possible for us to cobbled together a show out of by mm-hmm. finding plays originally that were written with large groups of people that to make up the whole play that scene by scene consisted of just small groups of three or four so that or two, those, or, or, two yeah. or whatever so those people vignettes. could get together rehearse their vignettes and then the week before the show we all finally get together to stitch it all together and then produce you know the play in the end and it's worked very well for every amateur actor <laughs> you know like a little pipe dream of being able to um, still contribute to uh, a local theater movement and yeah, we've been able to get in on it and do our best to bring a little life into local community theater.
2: Yeah, which is so sweet and great. Like, I, we were both in theater in high school and loved it. And yet, you know, if you don't pursue that for a career, it's really hard to make it a hobby. Like, do that, especially in the Applegate. Like, who would have yeah. not? <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, here's Maude, and she just totally you know made this happen for us and for everyone in the valley who loves theater and so we get to be in little plays together and not have to drive crazy far and it, it just mm-hmm. works so well and so sweet and our two daughters love to act love to be in plays and they've been involved too and it's just great
1: yeah, yeah, it's a very welcoming atmosphere for amateurs or people young, middle-aged, old. It's very eclectic and 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 then last year, uh the the playwrights were local and wrote specifically in and around the themes of our local life and our our, our struggles and our trials and our joys and all of everything that's happening here. And so that was really exciting and we're going to do that again this year. Have basically local playwrights um, producing the material for the actors to perform.
0: Which is really cool. That is true community theater. Yeah. (laughs) It not get (laughs) any (laughs) more. And
1: And people loved it. It was good.
0: People we'll hear community theater and they're like, "Oh, I guess I'll go and you right, know trudge right. through this because they're my friends or my family or whatever. My yeah. kids in it, and it's not that at all. It yeah. is so well done. Aww. Y'all are really good.
2: Thanks.
0: Yeah. Thanks. And I, I know other people feel the same way. It's not just me saying that. <laughs> oh so, that's yeah. great. And our season um, has started back up again. Yeah, come yeah. out of COVID oh, and set. actually have theater happening which is I
1: haven't been to a, a, um, a production at OSF that I wasn't impressed by that mm-hmm. I wasn't like that I didn't find impressive astounding or you know mm-hmm. just remarkable I mean there's just such high caliber Productions. I haven't probably seen more than a dozen, so uh, it's not like we go all the time. They, you know, they cost a fair bit, and so we've metered them out over the years, being the humble bakers that we are. But <laughs> yeah, it's always fun to see a show. So it is really exciting that they're coming back online. Mm-hmm. We've really enjoyed going to see shows at the Brit over the years, and like. You know, it felt a little more awesome back in the day where you could just bring your own alcohol in, but you can still do that sometimes depending on the show.
0: Depends on the show,
1: I right. think. Right, yeah. yeah. That's so nice when you can do that. But just in general, like it's a pretty dope amphitheater. Yeah, it is. Great sound, beautiful views. You can usually get seats up close if you're on top of it or find a way to get up close if you're into it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, I've seen a few shows there now, and it's such a great spot, beautiful venue. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. I appreciate it. And I know our listeners do, too, because as folks come into the area or come visit or looking to move up here, or even people who've been here, I'm surprised... How many times I hear of stuff that I had no idea of oh, existed sure. that is so much fun to hear about and
2: just add it to my list of, gotta go check it out. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of that for me, too. <laughs> I tend well, to that be that a homebody. That's, <laughs> cool. that's what's cool about <laughs> this ever, area. Exactly. Yeah.
1: I feel oh, like yeah. even after all this time, I mean, we we do tend to be really busy with our life and our community and our business and family, so maybe don't get out as much as people who have more time to do that stuff. But uh, it's, it's for us, over the years, this valley and region continues to like unfold and reveal itself, and new great things continue to emerge. And um, people, I. Yeah, I'm just really impressed by the caliber of people, the conscientiousness, the thoughtfulness, the way that people are trying to make the world a better place and putting their energy into making this place a better place in and, and a lot of really beautiful and important ways. I agree. That is a lovely note to end
0: on. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again for being here. And everyone, we will be back again with another wonderful episode. And until then, take care. The podcast is produced by Simona Fino and co-produced by James Dedakis and Jaded Media. Original music by Samuel Lawrence.